We are live on Facebook. Hello. Thank you all for joining us today for Tracy Schott's Voices for Change show. We are dedicated to putting an end to intimate partner violence, shortcut IPV. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer of the show on the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV. And I promise that today you are in for a fascinating conversation. Tracy, of course, is the producer and director of the award-winning film Finding Jen's Voice. It shines a light on IPV, and she partnered with the India-based organization OneGen to take her message global. We're thrilled to have the co-founder of OneGen as today's guest. Paul Singh is coming to us near Mumbai, India. And without further ado, I turn it over to Tracy to chat with Paul. Thanks, Hope. Thanks, Paul, for joining me today. This has been kind of a long time coming. You know, we, Paul and I um, have been partnering on this project for almost two years now. Um, and uh, we released Voices for Change March 1st, 2020, <laughs> talking about the pandemic of intimate partner violence only to be shut down by uh, COVID-19 pandemic. So it's been a very interesting year. Um, it's required us to pivot a million times, so many times that we feel like our heads are spinning off sometime. And, um, but uh, kind of got us to this place where we're really working in a virtual world. And, and quite honestly, a podcast and webinar series never would have happened without um, both Paul and Hope's uh, encouragement. I think that's what we call that encouragement. So Paul, um, thanks for being here. You know, Paul comes to us from this technical background, but um, he's got one of the biggest hearts of anybody I know. And Paul, I'd like you to just start a little bit by talking about OneGen and um, how you came about. Um, I know you were just recently recognized um, in India for uh, your team's efforts. Tell us, tell, tell us all about OneGen. Thank you, thank you, Tracy, for your kind words and hope for that very nice introduction. Pleasure to be here. Um, I know most of the time our collaboration has been behind the scenes, so it's it's a very different feeling today. Um, You're on so the hot seat today. <laughs> I know how it feels for you, right? Of course, but no, it's it's a it's a it's a privilege and pleasure to be talking about our collaboration. It's such an important work that we are part of, and which is essentially you know the essence of Banjin as a as an entity as a company. Um, so the backstory is, um, you know, I'm an engineer, trained engineer, I've worked in industrial. Um, uh, you know, uh, zone for a long time, uh, did some career shift and, uh, you know, was looking for new opportunities. And, um, you know, I, I, I figured out like, okay, I like problem solving, complex the problem, you know, gets a better out of me. So, so feel like, so, you know, myself being in an element that I'm solving a system wide change. And as a result of that, I feel like, you know, um, a lot of Fortune 100 companies benefited through my 20 plus years of experience for that and reached a point in career in life where um, there wasn't uh, fun for me. There was nothing new to learn. Like 
you know, making a, you know, company make more profit, which is already, you know, profitable, was an interesting problem to solve. So, and so turn of events and a lot of serendipity, um, I came across uh, a United Nations charter, which is 17 sustainable development goals, essentially, you know, United Nations said, well, these are the 17 areas that if we could uh, address it by year 2030, like, you know, zero hunger, no poverty, climate action, gender equality, you know, we can make a world a better place, our planet a more sustainable place to live for the coming generations. And that was sort of an aha moment for me that, well, that's, that's the next frontier for problem solving. As an engineer in me was, you know, say, okay, yeah, I want to play a role in there. But I think the hardest part was how do you create a business model while doing good in the world? Like you make enough money to pay your bills and that's sort of an entrepreneur's dream space to operate in. But I've been so fortunate that I crossed paths with, you know, some peers, some coworkers, some people I used to work with in my previous capacity that believed in the idea that um, we could do both, right? We could do good for the planet, we can solve these complex issues, and we can make it into a sustainable business model. And that's uh, how we started. And, uh, you know, it's been three years journey and fortunate to have a, a team which is now growing in India and in US and in Europe. And we have great partners like yourselves. And through that collaborative effort, I think we've been, um, I would say we've taken some strides on the journey of, you know, reaching the milestones for year 2030. And so we do a um, lot of technology work, uh, but it's to uh, it's applied to a context, right? It's not like building an app for, uh, you know, more likes, more hits, or, you know, showing your, uh, you know, you know, favorite meals of the day, but it's, it's a technology applied to a problem context, a system context where we could actually create a positive change and it will change. And that to me is actually, uh, you know, it sort of serves everything, right? It's uh, you know, satisfy the needs in engineering me, the tech techie in me, and also, you know, it, I go to bed, you know, thinking that oh, I did something <laughs> meaningful today. And so applying those skills into a meaningful context and surrounded by creative, passionate people, I mean, that's what truly what Vanjan is today. Well, you you have a wonderful team. I remember at one point on uh, your you know your tech team, so your website is always transforming and doing something new. But at one point, um, you uh, you had a tagline that said "transforming the world in one generation." Is is that where the name of the company came from? That's that's really the you basically said it. Yeah. So one gen uh, stands for it's a short form for how do you transform the world in one generation? And, uh, you know, so it's the generation that is in probably kindergarten now or in elementary schools that we, we need to focus on. And that's the generation that's gonna inherit this planet, you know, with all its, um, you know, prosperity and uh, promises as well as the challenges. So we wanna sort of focus on that in one generation, how do we solve these complex challenges? And so that's why the name came up. Absolutely, <laughs> you got it. Well, you do have a you do have a great team. I've been privileged to work with several of them. Um, you know, it's it can be very humbling. You know, when I when I'm talking to um, 
people from one gen and then i you know pop on your website to see who your new clients are and it's like you guys are all over the place tell tell us about some of the other work you're doing and then we'll dive into voices for change it's it's not a reality is not very <laughs> far from your thought that you know in the initial years um uh, I'll be lying if I said we had a business strategy and we knew what we were doing. So we were all over the place. And But then we sort of got more comfortable with the thought that it's okay because this is a huge planet and the size of the problems, you know, facing it is uh, huge. So we need to sort of, um, uh, you know, go wide as well as go deep. So, but lately we've been sort of been a little bit more focused on it. And that's some of the learnings we had along the way. And uh, we've been able to also understand the dynamics of different things, uh, how shifting things in one area can impact a lot of things, right? I'll give you an example. Um, you know, one of the sustainable development goal, SDG 5, which in which our work sort of like fits into gender equality, right? That's one goal that we have. But you can't really address that thing unless you have you know, access to quality education and good mental well-being right around it, which is other SDGs. But you can't have that thing. Um, we, we are working on a project in uh, South of India. Uh, that state particularly has a very high dropout rate for girl students. That's, they drop out of middle school to high school as soon as they reach the puberty age, just because there are no clean toilet facilities in those schools, right? And because of that, they just, you know, miss so much school that essentially there's no incentive for them to go back. So the, the clean water sanitation and hygiene is part of quality education, which kind of leads to gender equality. So there's these intricacies and, and uh, interactions between, you know, different things we do. So on surface, sometimes it feels like that we are all over the place and we are investing into climate action, gender equality, solving the zero hunger problem. You know, and finding uh, good employment opportunities for the nano entrepreneurs. So it seems very disjointed on surface, but the underlying two things that binds them together. One, uh, you know, they all work on great digital platform, which is there's a connectedness, there's a data, there is a context that is understanding the dynamics between different stakeholders on the system. And the second thing that binds them together is that it's tied to education of the younger generation so it's and especially girls childhood so, so i think they were focused on uh education of young girls especially in developing economies so that we feel that that's the critical point that if we invest in the year a lot of other things sort of take care of itself right. uh, so those, those are the areas that we're investing in right now well, you know, it takes me back to my social work roots where, you know, I I was trained um, at Berkeley and we talked a lot about systems theory and yeah. how um, what happened within a person uh, with in, within a single individual just multiplied and we were all connected. And this whole idea of that, that you can never draw really a straight line to a problem yeah. to fix it. You have to think circular. You have to think about all the various things that impact um, a problem. And all of the things, all of those, how many is it, 17 uh, UN? Yeah, 17 yeah. goals. Yeah. 
17 goals. Each of those 17 goals is connected to the other in some way. Absolutely. Um, and so it's, you know, when, when I, whenever I, you know, have the opportunity to show Finding Jen's Voice to a live audience, which of course hasn't happened in quite some time, you know, people say to me, um, ah, I'm, I'm so outraged. What, you know, what do we do to stop intimate partner violence and homicide? Like it, everybody can do something, you know, everybody has a role to play um, because it's, it, there's so many layers to the problem. And a lot of it has to do with gender inequality and patriarchy. But there's a reason that um, developing economies have an even worse problem with uh, gender violence you know, and that has to do with education and financial opportunity and dependency. And um, I know I'll give a little bit away about the webinar we're doing tomorrow. Um, one of the people um, who's on the webinar is a, a young woman from Plan International, which is a children's charitable organization that is uh, in 52 countries around the world. And they've been around for almost 100 years. And what they're finding is since the pandemic, with the increase in lockdowns, increase in financial instability, that child marriages are going up. Violence is going up. Um, a return to female gen genital mutilation is going up. Um, all of these uh, problems that, that have, that organizations have been working toward um, progress have really, there's been a backslide because of the economy. So everything is connected. And, um, uh, you know, I think it's, it's awesome that the work, the work that you're doing. So you. let's talk a little bit about Voices for Change. Um, sure. So, um, you know, uh, I think I've told the story before. I think Pooja was on um, a few months ago and we talked about how I met you at a conference in Philadelphia. Good um, Pitch Philadelphia, yeah. Yeah, Good Pitch Philadelphia. And uh, Good Pitch is an organization that brings together media makers and um, people who are interested uh, in changing the world, people with resources. They kind of bring all these people together in the same room. And then certain organizations pitch their projects and then people jump on. And I was there as an observer. Um, and Kelly, uh, my consultant, Kelly Devine, introduced me to you. And um, do you want to talk a little bit about that meeting? It was it was this sure. real serendipitous um, kind of experience. I, I remember, um, I think it was uh, towards the second half of the day during yeah. the drinks break. Uh, yeah. So we met near the, you know, where everybody was sort of getting yep. their getting their cups filled and uh, that's where we met and we started talking about and you briefly mentioned about your project and uh, I think my, my first question was um, did I miss it like did, I thought I probably pitched it because the way you were and that was the the, the other side of the good pitch right but yeah. no I think it was, um, it was probably less than 15 minutes when like we were building on each other's ideas and you know, imagine if there was a platform where um, the film could spark discussions and we could sort of essentially you know bring in survivor voices and yeah. um, their experiences to um, you know um, raise awareness 
but I, I still remember, I think the, the operative word was mostly like, how do you give hope to somebody that doesn't see the, uh, you know, any light at the end of the tunnel who's going through it right now. Right. And uh, so to me, that was sort of the starting point for how do we focus and converge everything we know in digital space, social media, web portal, building communities online, forums and um, using the video streaming capabilities and cloud computing infrastructure that we had built by the time. How do we sort of leverage that and, you know, the concept that you had drawn on a napkin, I guess, to, to take it to reality and called Voices for Change. Yeah. Uh, so I know Finding Jen's voice had its own web presence, but then we wanted to build an ecosystem around it yeah. To me, that the, the, the hope and ecosystem, uh, I was sold on the idea that okay, we gotta, we gotta do something about it. And a um, few months later, we sort of, um, you know, started collaborating yeah. on a weekly basis, and um, hence the the site was launched. You know, less than nine months of work together, I guess. Yeah. In March of 2020. But yeah, yeah this was. I feel like you know when. There were forces at play that sort of brought except I until now I never actually recalled an event because I always felt like I've known you for years, seeing your work and you know, and since then, um, you know, every time our Philadelphia coffee chats and lunch chats, I mean it's there's a it's always a, I leave with more ideas after every time meeting you. Yeah, and, uh, I've always come at these meetings like, all right, I'm not taking on anything else. And then I leave. I'm like, oh, we're going to do this and this and this. It's kind of like talking to Hope where she's like, oh, you're going to write a book. And I'm like, oh, right, sure, my spare time. Um, but, you know, I one of the things I remember is um, uh, one of your coworkers at the time, Jim, had seen my film when we were talking yes. and he looked at you and said, that's the film I was telling you about this morning. That and you the, just spontaneously hugged me. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, it was such a synchronicity, right? That um, uh, Jim and I, uh, in the early days of Wanjan, we were collaborating and we were, we were brainstorming some ideas. And he used to do some, uh, you know, volunteer work for a shelter home in, in Wisconsin. Um, and he, he mentioned about the film and a few hours later, we are like standing next to the filmmaker and having that conversation. So for, it was like the, the distance between the intention and manifestations are kind of, you know, reducing. Just, just and, all came um, together. You know, I'm, um, I'm still having those goosebump moments. <laughs> that it, it's, it's the resonance. And I think Tracy, that's uh, the best way to explain yeah. it. I mean, collaboration, I know it's, um, uh, you know, we, we sort of, figure out a way to make one plus one equals 11. But I think the, the work on Voices for Change has never seemed like work to me. And I speak for several you know, tech team members at Wanjan as well, because it's always been a mission. It's always been, you know, that um, uh, there's, there's such a resonance between, you know, the, the film, the training program around it, the awareness program, and especially how we um, you know, collated all of the survivor stories and their blog updates. Okay. So for me, it was always like, how do we amplify this thing, you know? So like your work needs to be shown to many people and those voices need to be heard. And so our role has been sort of be the amplifier for voices for change and right. <laughs> well, you guys so, think you, you all think big, you know, and, um, 
I, I used to think I think big until I started talking to you. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't think big enough. Um, but, um, you know, there have been so many times where I'm like, oh, I just I don't have time for this anymore. I'm, I'm, OK, I'm just it's this is it's probably run its course and it hasn't run its course. You know, the, the reality is um, I released Finding Jen's Voice in 2015. And in the six years since I released the film, the problem of intimate partner violence and homicide has only gotten worse. And um, sadly, uh, the film is needed now more than ever. Um, so, you know, the your team has always had that kind of recognition and, and you know, it's easy to kind of lose sight of that when, especially when you're a filmmaker and it's your, your project, you're like, all right, I'm done with that. I'm over it. <laughs> let, me, let me do a film about food. <laughs> you know? um, the, as you said, with, uh, you know, pandemic, uh, sort of a, a bad situation got worse, right? Yeah. Statistics show that, you know, a lot of case studies are coming up across the globe, right? that it seems like my hypothesis is more of a pressure cooker situation in a lockdown. So um, that leads to, um, you know, the undesirable outcomes in, a, in, the, in the, the IPV domain. And it goes back to, and I think pandemic only amplified and pandemic only, I think through a brighter strobe light at the problem uh, and also sort of highlighted that whatever we've been doing it's more of a band-aid, right? We're, we're treating the symptoms. And in your words, like if you go back to the fundamentals of system theory, you gotta go layers below and try to understand, you know, why does it happen? And, you know, when does it start? You know, this uh, difference between, uh, you know, our, our treatment of fellow human beings or peers based on gender differences, when did that first, when does it first start, right? And what role, our education system plays in that, what role social norms play in that, the construct, the, I mean, you know, the language we take for granted, some of the, the constructs are needing some revision these days, and a lot of work is happening in that space, right? So you need to really need to understand the, the problem in its core sense, right, what it is. And then it boils up to, of course, you know, and uh, um, I still sort of, uh, uh, I remember a couple of things from the, the film, but uh, the the thing that kind of struck me was in the in an instant was that the number one, you know, cause of death is homicide for pregnant women. That was sort of you know intriguing enough for me to sort of explore the subject with you on that. Yeah, so I I feel that um, you know um, uh, yes, pandemic has made the situation uh, you know more more drastic. But also sort of, I think it has uh, started conversations in terms of that we need to do things differently. You know, we need to think, think things differently. One organization probably can do a fantastic job of, you know, creating a shelter home, creating so resources, maybe retraining the victims or survivors. And, you know, we can train the law enforcement and medical professionals to do better in their job, to assess or read the red flags better nothing wrong with that right but we need to do much more than that and how do you create again that you know um, a stakeholder ecosystem where um, you know we could share information more openly we could be more transparent we can sort of create that multiplier effect i love that as you mentioned earlier 
And that's where I think that this work has much more meaning for me and Wan Chen is because I believe that technology could be that X factor, the multiplying factor, where we could connect people, you know, like tomorrow we will be connecting people from different time zones with different, uh, uh, you know, research work and all things, but coming together, you know, thanks to technology. So uh, technology has immense potential to address some of these complex issues if we package and leverage it in the right context. And I think uh, our journey the last two plus years has been sort of a great example in the mind of, you know, when you apply technology in the right context, you could, you could move things. One, I want to talk about one of the next steps that we're going to be working on soon. And um, when I, so when I first saw, uh, decided I was doing this documentary film, I went to a conference in New York um, and saw a project that was being presented of this woman who did a documentary film, but instead of putting it together in, in kind of a two hour format or whatever, um, put it together in little segments and then it was interactive so she put it on a website so that people could go on and share their experiences uh, via facetime or audio and it became this interactive and it had nothing to do with gender violence it was another topic completely and i thought wow that would be really cool if we did something like that um, for uh, survivors of domestic violence. And then I got sidetracked trying to like fund and create the film, which took four years. Um, but one of the things that I have learned from showing the film to thousands of people is that while the research is stunning and the researchers that are there who speak are, are um, you know, the top of their game, uh, it's the survivor stories that move the needle. It's the survivor stories that people, it resonates with people, that sticks with people, and is ultimately the change maker. It's yeah. the reason the film has gotten the attention it has. It's, it's not because of my great filmmaking skills, it's because of those 11 women who shared their personal stories. So we've been talking about um, bringing those survivor stories to uh, the website, and we've done, we've provided opportunities for survivors to write a blog um, and share that online. But you know, one of the things that we we realize, and certainly I realize at this stage of the game, is that not a lot of people are comfortable writing. You know, more people are comfortable just kind of telling their stories, and so we're embracing the technology to make that happen. You want to talk a little bit about what's coming? Absolutely, absolutely, right. So, and, and I think there's a scientific uh, reasoning behind your last statement, right? Um, um, fact is, yeah, stories do connect us, stories move us, stories inspire us. And we want to tell those stories uh, with authenticity and uh, with you know positive outcomes on it, right? Survive, being a survivor itself, you know, there's, um, there's an element of, uh, you know, uh, two steps towards happy ending. So, but reading it, and I think uh, this is probably how technology, the dark side of technology has done to us in modern times that our attention span is so low that, you know, we can only read like Instagram, like post or, you know, uh, bite-sized information, right? Research papers needs commitment. Uh, you know, data charts need commitment. So you need to package the information in a different way. 
So hence, I think your recommendation, and this is sort of our next phase of uh, you know, work together is that how do we capture and share those stories in audio and video format in a more interactive way, like you described the New York example, right? So uh, we want to give an open um, and invite inviting sort of environment for survivors where they feel safe, where they are encouraged to share their stories with the hope and intention that hearing their stories might give somebody else courage to take a corrective action, right? Um, and that's the that's the domino effect we want to create through building this online community, which is multimedia interactive, um, but keeping the positivity, hope, and authenticity kind of as the guiding principles to design this environment. And that's really the work we are currently doing. Um, you know, we are at one side raising awareness through our wonderful digital tour this year. Um, you know, so so what travel is not very practical. We we, we want to touch base in those you know twelve cities and uh, discuss those twelve important topics. But on the other side, we are learning from each one of these conversations and uh, engagement, and that's the learning that is uh, getting digitized as we speak in the form of you know Voices for Change 2.0, if I may say that. Um, so our vision is that, you know, uh, one place where not only you can find, um, you know, resources, um, knowledge, uh, uh, portals are. Oh, no, I think we just lost Paul. Um, so technology, you know, um, from uh, across the world. So I imagine he'll be joining us again, but I'm going to finish his statement. And that is that. I'm really excited for this next phase of Voices for Change 2.0, where um, it's really been part of the mission statement that I put together is, you know, to provide training, educational content, but also to um, connect people to the research and the resources, but primarily um, to amplify the voices of um, survivors. And that has been incredibly important. Um, so Paul just texted me. They had a power outage, and it generally takes about two minutes before it reboots. So we're going to, it's okay. I can talk for two minutes. Easy, obviously. <laughs> Tracy, will you, talk a, uh, will you talk a little bit about the webinar tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. So tomorrow's webinar. So we did a webinar a month ago, and this has been a virtual tour where we're going to different cities around the country. Uh, the first one was based outside of Philadelphia, where I'm based in Pennsylvania. The second one was based in uh, Houston and Austin, Texas. The third one was based in New Orleans. This next one is based in the world. <laughs> Um, so we talked the last time about the shadow pandemic and how it impacted the survivors and the um, ability of organizations to provide services and how it impacted healthcare. So it was very much a kind of a boots on the ground uh, examination of the how the pandemic impacted intimate partner violence um, intervention. This next one, we're also talking shadow pandemic, but it's a global perspective. And we're going to be talking with a woman, Dr. Uh, Nandita Gandhi, who is based in India and runs an organization um, that is meant to fight intimate partner um, violence and gender-based uh, 
um, discrimination in India. So she's joining us, um, and it's very much a policy and organization. Um, we have, as I mentioned earlier, Plan International joining us, who's going to be giving us a perspective of these 52 member organizations around the world, 52 different countries, talking about how the pandemic has and lockdowns have impacted rates of intimate partner violence. Um, and then we also have Dr. Manisha Shah, who is a UCLA professor, a researcher who completed one of the first um, research studies over the last year um, measuring rates of intimate partner violence. So there's been a lot of speculation from day one, the minute the lockdowns happen, UN Women and the World Health Organizations were both like, this is gonna be very scary for um, particularly women who are in uh, intimate partner violence relationships because they're really locked down with their abusers and their access to support services is gonna be really limited. And so Dr. Shaw is actually gonna be showing us some of the research that kind of validates that. But as we're really taking a global lens, Paul is also gonna be joining us tomorrow and he's gonna be talking um, a little bit about using the digital technologies to address these issues. Um, and, you know, Paul always brings a spark of hope to um, every conversation. So it's, it's good to um, always end with that uh, because it can get a little depressing working in this field. Um, when you see the numbers and you see that the numbers are climbing and not going down, it can feel overwhelming and hopeless. Um, Paul reminds us that there's you know, there's, there are solutions for everything. Um, so, Paul, welcome back. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> the other side of technology, yes. So, yeah. um, uh, as I was explaining the, you know, the wonderful and amazing things that are uh, to expect in the next few months about Voices for Change, uh, but essentially I think it would be uh, a learning environment with a lot of access to resources and uh, um, uh, access to stories uh, so that, you know, there could be, a, uh, this portal could be viewed as a place for hope. And that's really the intention behind designing a system like that. And I know that, you know, it's very easy to sometimes get uh, digitally and get into bits and bytes and think of it as a mobile app or a web app or, a, you know, zeros and ones. But I think um, behind the data, behind the technology, we, we, always try to sort of hear these stories and, you know, and, and get inspired by that. Like if our work could save one more life or actually give somebody hope and they could actually give hope to 10 other people, I think that's that would be worthwhile effort from a the, technology investment perspective. The, you know, the, the stories of survivors um, do so many things, you know, they move people. Um, they educate, they put a human face on statistics, um, uh, you know, so much that those stories do for um, advancing our efforts to fighting intimate partner violence. However, they also do one more thing, and that my experience in working with survivors in Finding Jen's Voice, and since then, is the giving the microphone to a survivor of intimate partner violence is giving her back her power. It is saying, this is your story. You own the story. You can do what you want with this story. And if she so chooses, 
and wants to share that story in this very public format, everybody comes away from it going, oh, I, feel, I feel like I just shed layers of anger, guilt, frustration, depression, you know, that they, they come out of that experience stronger. Um, and so for me, I see this um, giving survivors an opportunity, and it's not for everybody. And for some people, it's not safe. You know, they, they've got to make choices based on their own um, feelings of safety. But most survivors are pretty good at judging their level of safety. Um, you know, it's it, for me, it's just really um, gratifying to see um, the technology actually act almost therapeutically. You know, as you know, I was a therapist way back when. And, um, you know, ultimately, all of these efforts do come out of the, the desire for, um, you know, individual personal growth for people as well. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how the team pulls it together. You know, I always come out with these like ideas and and they're like, yeah, give us a couple of weeks to play with this. Hey, we're thinking about this. And I'm like, well, that's really cool. Um, so, yeah, it's an incredibly talented team that I work with at OneGen. And um, congratulations, shouting out to the whole team for the award that you guys received. Um, so well-deserved. Uh, tell, tell I, I can't remember exactly um, what organization gave you that recognition. So it's uh, actually... Uh, um a digital innovation magazine um, that uh, looks at you know all the startups and uh, the young companies that are doing some creative work, innovative work, and so through that framework, there was uh, a process through which they found out that some of the things they're doing is pretty innovative. So they sort of named as an innovative startup of the year 2021. So that's that that was very. Cool, and I think very encouraging to the team always, you know, recognition feels good. Um, you know, going back to the origin story of Wanjian, like first year, you know, when Pooja and I, we started this, like we, uh, we, we were experimenting and figuring things out. You know, we didn't have like a plan or like a blueprint for what we're gonna do. Like it was like, as things are coming, we should basically say, go with the flow and make the most out of the opportunities. And so along the way, you, you meet fascinating people, partners, and you build on to each other's ideas because, you know, um, I did not know about the subject, you know, until I met you. And I still would be saying that I, I'm, a, I'm an observer and I'm, uh, you know, I'm something that, um, someone that actually understands the, or try to, tries to understand the complexities involved in the, you know, the stories behind the intimate partner violence. But really, to understand a subject, like you, you need somebody who's deep in it, right? Who's living it, right? Who's creating stories out of it. So that's where I think it's a it's a, a true partnership model that sort of comes in, and that's sort of the essence of our working model, which is we'll do the tech and everything that is around it. Like we'll do that. We know what to do that part, and you just lead the way, and then that's how you know we try to create magic and. So coming up with uh, some sort of like a, an award or recognition that, uh, you know, something that you're doing is, is meaningful, it matters, is just gonna reach out as your batteries, right? It's like, okay, all right, bring it on, what's next? That's, <laughs> that's the approach uh, they're taking in the coming years, yeah. 
Well, congratulations to everybody. And it's been an, um, a great experience for me working with one gen and, um, yeah, it's, it's really kind of these kind of collaborations. Um, I really encourage people to do more of it. You know, um, when you work all by yourself, uh, you know, everybody likes to talk about working in silos, but it's more than that. It's very isolating and it's limiting. Um, you know, the, the work that we're doing here in 2021 um, is a direct result of your team's um, innovation and push, you know, push to do this stuff. So, um, you know, that's how change happens is uh, through organizations working together, encouraging each other. And so I appreciate your encouragement, Paul, and, and your encouragement as well, Hope. You've um, uh, been pushing me in, a, in other ways as well. And yeah, so well, here we are. Well, the work you're doing is so fantastic and so important. So congratulations to you, Paul, on your big award. That's wonderful. And tell us just as we, as we leave, today. Tell us um, how people can participate or watch the webinar. And also, Tracy, before we go, tell us about our next guest. I think anybody who's listening to this conversation or, you know, get a, gets a chance to visit Voices for Change, uh, see the film if you get a chance, Finding Gen's Voice. Um, because I feel, you know, before we change our behaviors, before we take a step towards any major change in, in, a, in a system that we live in. Um, you know, getting to know and awareness is the first step. So I think, uh, uh, you know, people watching this or people uh, getting to know more about Voices for Change, about Tracy's work, about the, the you know, the, the, the shadow pandemic around the, uh, the intimate partner violence, the, the pandemic behind the pandemic that is going on. I think just understanding that and talking about it and not pushing it under the rug is the first step towards you know behavior change. So I hope that this conversation you know gives a little bit of spark of hope to people that uh, you know there's a lot of light in the world. So yes, some of sometimes these numbers and sometimes these um, you know horrific stories can you know sort of draw a lot of darkness around us, but always remember we are farmers of light and just you know continue doing uh you know continue telling great stories one story at a time happy to be here thank you tracy thanks paul um the um the webinar can be um you can get the information from our website voicesforchange.net and um it will be uh broadcast live on facebook on our finding jen's voice uh, Facebook page, as well as uh, we're going to be putting it on LinkedIn, um, I think through one Jen's channel. And then we are also going to be uh, live on YouTube. Um, there's a place to register, which will, will send you, you know, direct information and reminders and all that fun stuff. If you do um, go online and register, um, there is a Voices for Change YouTube channel, and you'll see that broadcasting live tomorrow. So multiple uh, places to watch um, and if you miss it live it will be 11:30 a.m eastern time 8 30 a.m pacific time 4 30 p.m um, great britain time and 9 p.m in india, india. Um, and i have to remember that because our 
people are from all of those places. <laughs> so <laughs> finding one time beginning. for all of us was like, ah, this is challenging. Um, but it's, it is exciting and um, it will be recorded. Uh, the edited version will be available on my YouTube channel, and there'll be links to that um, through VoicesForChange.net as well. And if you go on VoicesForChange.net, you can access the last um, few webinars we've done. Um, and uh, on our YouTube channel, there's a whole playlist of all of these really fun podcasts that we've had. Um, the next one coming up is uh, after my vacation, July <laughs> Uh, 13th. 13th, right. And we're going to be talking to um, Janine uh, Najai David, who um, is going to be coming to us from London. She's normally based in LA, but um, she works with Dr. Manisha Shah um, at the Global Lab Research Institute for Research. And uh, she's got a very interesting story herself. Um, and um, so we're excited to talk with Janine. Um, and then uh, coming up in the future, we've got some more fun, fun people, but you're going to have to wait and hear because I'm still nailing down their times. We are taking a little bit lighter schedule over the summer um, to uh, accommodate me <laughs> and my schedule. Um, but so we're, we're going to be on about um, twice a month for podcasts through the summer and then hopefully get back up to weekly in the fall. So thank you all for watching and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank Hope. you all. Thank you, Thanks, Tracy. Paul. Thank you, Paul. We'll see you all soon. Check out voicesforchange.net with all that details. So have a great day, everybody. Thank you.